everyone. This is Rashonda Thornton. I am the host of the Dietitians Against Diets podcast show. And in the month of April, it's all about sustainability. And you know what? Sustainability matters everywhere. Our partners at Prairie Farm recognize the role that they play and how to become advocates of this worldwide. Um, today's farmers, you know what? They're actually practicing more sustainability practices than ever to continue to do the work and to work hard to preserve the delicate balance between Earth and our expanding world. As a matter of fact, uh, Prairie Farms, they actually have these two major products that they're contributing to and they're investing in. And it's the Energy and Water Saving Investment Project, where they have already totaled over the last two years $4.7 million towards investing in making sure our energy practices are on top and also our water. Learn more about their efforts and how they're trying to make this earth a better place. Go to www.prairiefarms.com forward slash about forward slash sustainability. Also, you can find them on Instagram. They're always posting recipes and nutritional benefits of some of their products. And I'm sure for the month of April, they're also going to be highlighting sustainability. Well, hello again, and welcome to the Dietitian Against Diets podcast show. My name is Rashonda Thornton, and I want to introduce you today to my special guest. I have here Dr. Philip Ovadia. He is a board-certified cardiac surgeon and founder of Ovadia Heart, who also works with patients with chronic heart conditions through open-heart surgery. Now, the uniqueness of Dr. Phillip is that he, his real passion is about helping the public stay healthy and staying off his operating table. Now, by that being said, he's also the author of his new coming book called Stay Off My Operating Table, a heart surgeon's metabolic health guide to lose weight, prevent disease, and feel your best every day. So, which is a clear guide to anyone um, can use and turn their health around, even if they've already had a heart attack. So I want to say welcome today and thank you for being on the show today, Dr. Phil. Oh, thank you, Rashonda. It's great to be here with you. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, you know what? I'm so happy to have you because I would say you're an anomaly. Now, you know, most surgeons and doctors, I'm sure, in your field, like, you come with a unique approach, and your main goal now is to really turn the table and to help people stay off the operating table. So we, I know your book is coming out, and before we dive into your book, because I can't wait to hear about it, learn about it, share it with the audience, I want to talk a little bit about you and talk a little bit about your past and when it comes to your lifestyle and your outlook on health, like diets, like even being a doctor, like what was, what did that, what was that for you, and how did, those, how did that turn around as far as your perspective? Yeah, and it turns out that, you know, my personal journey, my personal story has played a large part in what has happened with my professional life and, you know, the kind of shifting focus of my professional life now. So my background is that I, you know, struggled with obesity really my entire life. I was overweight as a child, and that was despite the fact that my family, you know, ate in line with the dietary guidelines. Um, my older brother is a type one diabetic, so that meant we didn't have sugar in the house. Mm -hmm. And we ate, you know, kind of the low fat diet with the heart healthy cereals and everything that, you know, we were told would keep uh -huh. us healthy. And I was active, I played sports year round, but, you know, I found myself becoming progressively overweight and obese. And as I went through college and medical school, and the you know long and difficult training that it takes to become a heart surgeon yes. uh, i continued to get more and more unhealthy okay and thankfully um about you know five years ago i kind of came to a crossroads 
because I realized that I was going to end up on my own operating table. At that point, I was morbidly obese, I was pre-diabetic, and I knew that I was headed down the same path as the patients that I operated on every day. And at that time, I was able to come across some different ideas about, you know, what makes us overweight, why we get obese, and why we get unhealthy. And ultimately, I was able to lose over 100 pounds. I have now maintained that weight loss for five years. Wow. I, you know, improved my health, reversed my pre-diabetes. And in the course of doing so, I came to realize what we had gotten wrong about the advice that we had been given to patients about how to remain healthy and how to best minimize their chances of, of heart disease and the other chronic diseases that face our society. So now, you know, while I continue to work as a heart surgeon and I feel blessed every day to be able to help people who need that service, mm -hmm. I would prefer to keep as many people as possible off of my operating table and help them avoid the need to have heart surgery. Yeah. And that's such an interesting, like, you know, when you say your life played a role into your new passion, you know, you're still using your profession to better serve the public just in a different way. And, you know, what, and again, what stood out to me is that like, you know, when you are in a health field, you know, especially being a doctor, we as a, you know, as a, as a population, we just feel like that's second nature that doctors should know, you know, what it means to be healthy or what it means to live a life where wellness is a big part of it. And like you said, during your time of going through schooling, you know, just living life, you found that your health actually started to decline. You know, um, and so when it comes to like, and again, you use that as really what driven you this direction, but can you just speak a little bit about like, just maybe what you didn't see that led to the, to the overweight or the, the continu continuum of weight gain as a doctor that perhaps, you know, I think it's good that the audience should like kind of be aware of and know. Yeah, sure thing. So the sad reality is, is that 88% of the adults in the United States today are not metabolically healthy. They don't have optimal health. Big and unfortunately, yeah, big percentage. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, that percentage isn't much different when you look at doctors or healthcare workers in general. Mm. Um, it turns out that, you know, the lifestyle that it takes to become a doctor and as you're a doctor, and, and again, in healthcare in general, the nurses, you know, the dietitians, everyone else involved in healthcare um, suffers from a lot of the same issues. Um, the healthcare industry has become so focused on treating disease. There are so many sick people that need, you know, care to treat the diseases that they have, that we have lost sight of the fact that you can prevent these diseases, that you can avoid being unhealthy, you know, as you get older. Yeah. And largely that's due to, you know, the food that we eat. And it turns out that the advice that we have been giving to people about the foods that they should be eating, um, the, the food environment that we have created, you know, here in the United States, and unfortunately it, it has spread, it is now a world, worldwide mm -hmm. phenomena, you know, that has set us up that has gotten us to a point where, as I said, 88% of the adults in the United States are not healthy. And I, we need to start changing that. And I am on your team with that for sure. 
Oh, you did make a controversial statement of, and you know, this, especially being in your position, but you said patients have been lied to their whole life about what actually is endangering their health. Now, you know, as a doctor, you pretty much explained it just a few moments ago, but like, what do you mean when you say patients have been lied to their whole life? Well, you know, here we are, uh, you know, in 2021. And basically, since the late 1970s, the early 1980s, the messaging about, you know, what we should be eating to remain healthy has remained largely the same, you know, and it's taken a little bit of a different form, you know, the food pyramid, the, the my plate now, mm -hmm. you know, all of these things, but they're, it's the same basic advice uh, that, you know, you need to be eating a very carbohydrate rich diet mostly processed carbohydrates in our current food environment. Um, yeah. You need to be avoiding, you know, fat in general and specifically in natural saturated fat that occurs in, you know, animal products, uh, largely. And, you know, that your focus should be on how much you are eating rather than the types of food that you're eating. And this is the calories in, you know, calorie out model that every, mm -hmm. you know, that is talked about. And that, you know, as long as you control the amount of food you're eating with this measurement, you know, we call a calorie that, that really may not translate in the real world to anything relevant. But, you know, we say as long as you're just eating the right amount of calories, you know, you're going to end up being healthy. And yeah. unfortunately, you know, that advice just doesn't work in yeah. the end. Yeah. Um, it was a good concept. You know, we can talk about the reasons that we started to think that. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, but what's important now is we have 40 plus years of data of trying that and it's not working. And so it's time to try something new. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, Dr. Phil, like my, my perspective on this, the whole calorie counting and all of that, number one, it disconnects you from what you're actually eating because you're looking at food as a mm -hmm. number. But it, I always say it's not about the type of calories. I'm sorry, not about the calorie number, but what type of calories are we bringing in? Are we bringing in lean meats, bringing in healthy fats, not just something that has a number on it because people doesn't, don't understand, again, how to discern between calories that count versus just counting calories. And I, in my perspective, let's make sure every calorie counts. So let's make sure there is nutrients that comes into every calorie that we're bringing in. And we understand, you know, a fat calorie different from a protein calorie, which is different from a carbohydrate, but then you can go even deeper than that. But I think, like you said, we, that was used as a line of measurement, but that's really not a great approach to to give to the public to say this is how you eat healthy is by making sure you stay within these parameters without giving anything else to what does it actually mean yeah exactly and i think more importantly you know what it ended up doing is shifting us away from eating the whole real foods you know that are naturally in our environment and when we started worrying more about you know calories and mm -hmm. you know making foods low fat uh, you know, we have just more and more come up with these processed foods yes. and I struggle to call them food anymore, quite honestly. <laughs> you know, I use a term uh, that I stole from a good friend of mine, near food objects. And the reality is, is that the majority of things that are available to people to eat these days are not real food. They are near food objects and our body simply can't process them properly 
can't, you know, run on them properly. Yes. And so that then leads to the problems that, you know, many of us don't even know what it means to be hungry or not hungry anymore, yeah. you know, but when you eat real whole food that your body knows how to deal with, your body can then properly process that food yes. and your body can actually tell you, you know, how much is the proper amount to eat. Yeah. And that is something that's just some, for some people, they can't even fathom that. And I work, when I work with clients, I always tell them your body will let you know, but first we have to learn how to be intuitive to what we're bringing into our body, what our body's telling us. You'll know when you're hungry, you'll know when you're satiated. You'll even know when you need a few more grams of protein because you will be more into what your body is telling you. And when you give your body the best, it will function at its best point blank. And so what does it function off? It function off real food if it can't be grown or killed if it does if, if that food is its only ingredient its ingredient should be the food and helping people understand clarify and understand what the definition of clean whole foods are versus a label that says lean light healthy simple pure when nothing should be actually wrapped up in any packaging if it's whole food yeah you mentioned yeah, I largely agree do you think yeah i'm glad you do you said something too, and I read in your your um, synopsis that you sent me. You said something about mindless death, like people are just living a life of mindless death. And I've always heard of mindless eating, mindless this, but I never heard of mindless death. And that, that gives me many, many definitions of what that can mean. But I would love to hear what what you mean by that. Well, again, I think the sad reality these days is that people don't think about their health enough, and the reason that I don't think the reason that, you know, they don't think about their health more is because they've basically gotten the message that it's not possible to remain healthy. We have come to expect that we get unhealthy as we get older. You know, again, the statistics show that the majority of people by the time they hit 50 years old are going to be taking multiple medications. And you look all around you and you see that everyone around you is unhealthy. They are taking medications. They're ending up with diabetes and hypertension and heart disease and Alzheimer's disease. And we think that it's unavoidable. So we, we don't think about it is, is the end. And so, you know, that's the sort of mindless death that I'm talking about. Uh, and what I hope we can do is get back to the message that you can and you should remain healthy for the vast majority of your life. Uh, and when you eat the right types of food and you do the other things, you know, in terms of your lifestyle that are going to support your health, you can and you should expect to remain healthy for the vast majority of your life. Great segue into why you've written your book. <laughs> There's a yeah, strong passion behind everything you're saying. And so let's like, let's dig into your book and let's talk about like some things in your book that, that really is going to be the, the first thing that resonates with people because, you know, people, they don't know, they don't, they don't know. You come into a generational where you're bombarded with marketing messages, you know, you get, you know, controversial, like, um, information on what's healthy and what's not healthy. And it just, it's just a hodgepodge, you know? And so when, you know, someone like yourself creates a guidebook for healthy eating and in long lit lasting life like i think that's going to sound some alarms so i, I want to take some time to talk about your book because it seems to me a lot of what you're saying is probably in that book um for the first yeah. thing i want 
want to ask you is, you know, you really speak about this metabolic health, metabolic. And I know people have heard that term before, but let's like go back to the basis and what is metabolic health? Yeah, so I think that's a great place to start the conversation. And I think it's real important uh, to focus on that because not only don't most people understand, you know, what is metabolic health, the reality is, is that most doctors don't understand what is metabolic health. It is not a concept that we talk about, but it's an important concept because when you are not metabolically healthy, we know that that puts you at risk for the vast majority of diseases that are affecting our society. So metabolic health means that your body is able to properly utilize the inputs that you are giving it, largely in what we are eating. And when we eat, you know, three things are supposed to happen to that food. Some of that food gets turned immediately into energy to be used to, you know, fuel all of our activities throughout the day. And that includes all of the little cellular activities that are going on in our bodies. Some of that food um, is used to build and rebuild the tissues of our body. Again, a process that is always going on. And then some of that food is supposed to be stored away as energy in case there are times that food is not available. We have a couple of problems though in our modern society. The first, is that we have gotten to a point, thankfully, that it's rare that food isn't available. You know, most people don't face the threat of famine anymore that mm -hmm. we used to. And most people, you know, have food around them all the time. And so we never actually give our bodies a chance to use that stored energy. And even if we do, even if we go a few hours without eating, because of the types of food that we are eating, our bodies are actually not even able to draw on that stored energy. Yeah, yeah. So that's why people can be very overweight. They can be walking around with all of this stored energy. And that's what body fat is. It's just stored energy. And yet they're hungry all the time because they can't tap into that stored energy. Hmm. So not being metabolically healthy basically means that that system, that balance, has been broken and now you know we are no longer able to properly partition everything and it ends up leading to a bunch of other problems yeah obesity high blood pressure heart disease alzheimer's disease many forms of cancer all of these have been tied to poor metabolic health hmm. and it's and it's such a it's, it was such a simple like process into how that can be prevented but again we have made things complicated um and i think always the bottom line is the monetary value that comes from when you're marketing and when you're putting a certain food product in a certain position or you know and putting negative um you know communications around certain foods that you know it's just so many different um conflict and i just think people don't realize how simple it is just to give yourself something like an apple <laughs> or to cut up some carrots. And of course it doesn't sound as fun, but like those are the basic things that your body needs to convert into all of those three categories. Um, and one thing you did talk about, you know, you're, you're one of your positions I've heard in your, and heard you say it a few times throughout our, our talking, I'm sure it's in the book. 
you talk about the food industry deception. And so, you know, let's, let's talk a little some more on that one too, because I think this could take a whole nother episode because I definitely can have my comments on this one. Yeah, exactly. And this is one of the, you know, one of the opening portion of the book talks about 12 myths that are, you know, have been, you know, put forward that people, you know, have been led to believe is true. And again, doctors largely believe that these myths are true as well. Mm-hmm. And one of those myths is that the food industry, you know, is there to keep us healthy or has an interest in keeping us healthy. And the reality is, is that they don't. And I don't actually, you know, I don't blame them for that. I don't think the food industry is, you know, some like evil entity, you know, that has, uh, you know, some ulterior motive. But the reality is, is that the food industry's only interest is making more money for the food industry. And the way they do that is by, you know, producing foods that they know that people are going to eat more of. And so when you look at all of these processed foods, um, you know, 90% of what's available in the, you know, in the supermarket are these processed foods that have been specifically engineered to make Mm -hmm. people eat more food. And, you know, the, the, the side effect of that, you know, if you will, is that um, it's making us unhealthy um, because again, it's not their focus to keep people healthy. The foods that are going to keep us healthy, the whole real foods that, you know, you and I have been talking about, those foods are not very profitable for the food industry in the end. And so those foods don't get promoted as they should be. And that makes so much sense. I mean, it's very, it's, it's pretty apparent, but when you, when you illustrate or you talk about it in that way, it really just shines light on, it's just that simple. Like there's no money that comes from, you know, selling fruits and vegetables, but there's a lot of money selling things that are packaged fruits, packaged um, meals or packaged um, goodies that are filled with additives, filled with uh, preservatives, filled with words we can't even describe, which are words that our body doesn't agree with, you know, which is how it perpetuates the, 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 the chronic illness or perpetuates disease down the road because you get caught into a lifestyle where these are foods that you get used to eating to where it becomes a culture. And now when things are a part of your culture, it's a part of your generation, a part of your growing up. Now that's the hardest thing is to like, how do we recognize the deception? And what do we do when we recognize it when it comes to, okay, I know it's not good for me, but how do I break apart from changing my lifestyle? So that puts people in a corner is what I'm trying to say. It's where it's hard to get to that next stage where you're eating, actually eating healthy on a, on a longer term basis. Exactly. And it becomes a generational problem because, you know, we are now in a place where, you know, most of, you know, our generations, you know, the, the people who were born, you know, in the 1960s and later, you know, they never had that real food, you know, as the primary, uh, you know, food that they were eating, they have lost the skills to, you know, prepare that food. Uh, they have lost the taste for that food. You know, these processed foods literally hijack our, our taste buds, our mm-hmm. taste centers. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people don't even know what real food is supposed to taste like anymore. Uh, and, you know, that is becoming a bigger and bigger problem. And that is reflected in, we now see, you know, that the children growing yes. up today are even more obese, you know, than their parents were. As bad as the obesity problem is, you know, among older adults, 
the obesity problem among children is truly staggering. And, you know, for me, that turns into, I end up operating on people younger and younger. You know, I started my career as a heart surgeon only about 20 years ago. And at the time that I started my career as a heart surgeon, it was exceedingly rare for me to be operating on someone in their 40s. Uh, and now it has become commonplace that I am operating on people in their 40s and mm. even their 30s for, you know, heart disease. Oh, oh my God, that's so just such just so disheartening hearing it from from your side. You're you're clearly seeing it within a matter of twenty years the the, the shift in the in the in the in now in the youthfulness that's becoming a part of this population, and it, it is it's, it it makes my heart it breaks my heart whenever I hear the numbers about children or you know I've had a recent relative relative that's under thirty eight that's in the hospital for four different health conditions that has a heart monitor on him, and I'm just like. You know, there's a component of there's some populations that just hasn't been exposed to some of this information, don't really know, but there's another component of population that don't really put it as priority, you know, and, and unfortunately it, um, it goes into more of a generational thing and we're seeing our children um, with the same uh, health conditions at this age. Now, now that we're talking about that, um, what would it be like, you know, for individuals that are listening and can recognize that they have the power to make change in their life to overcome these health conditions or not even um, see eye to eye to these health conditions. What would be your initial steps to change the trajectory of a person's health if you would tell them? And I think the first one is just start bringing in whole foods, but what would be some other or some more detailed um, go-to tips that you would try to give someone in regards to that? Yeah. So, you know, in the book, I go through what I call the seven principles of metabolic health. And I think okay. these are the kind of seven Good. things that people need to pay attention to, to improve their health and eat whole real food is actually the second principle. Um, because before that, I think you need to get the right mindset. So my first principle is that you need to think of your health as a system, not a goal. I think too often people are focused on kind of short term goals. They, they go to their physician and they say, I want to lose 20 pounds. And you know, one of two things happens when you set that goal, either you lose the 20 pounds, which is great, but you tend to then say, okay, I lost the 20 pounds and now I can go back to doing what I was doing before. Yeah. And you end up gaining the back, the weight and more, you know, and I know that happens because that's what happened to me many times. You know, I, I lost 50 pounds three times in my life. Uh, but I've only kept it off once now. Um, uh, you know, but the second thing that can happen when you set a goal like that is that you don't lose the 20 pounds. You know, losing 20 pounds is hard and many people don't accomplish it. And then they kind of get down on themselves and they give up and they say, well, I might as well just do all the you know, things yeah. that I was doing. Mm -hmm. So instead, what I try to get people to do is realize that they have to think of their overall health as a system. They have to commit to themselves that they want to be healthy. They want to be metabolically healthy and they need to find the habits that are going to support that and do those things. Um, so again, it's not restricting the things that are hurting you. It is doing the positive things that are going to help you in your journey towards good metabolic health. Well, and then, you know, we, and then the book gets into, you know, what are those things? And like we said, eat whole real food is certainly one of them. 
and then I talk about some other principles that are important. Things like moving more, sleeping enough, mm-hmm. dealing with your stress. Yeah. Um, you know, these are, these are the other things that certainly play into uh, having long-term success around your health. I have some top questions for you. These are questions that I'm sure anyone that's listening or watching will have in, in, in their respective situations. So what if someone is, is, is approaching you? I'm sure you've had an individual to have mentioned, asked this question to you. But one of the top questions I can foresee being said is, is it too late to change? If, if someone is say 65 years plus, is it, is it too late? No, it's never too late to change. Um, I have worked with people, you know, in their 70s and 80s, and I have seen them have good success. Um, I have worked with people who already have significant heart disease. You know, the patients that I operate on now, Hmm. um, I try to work with them afterwards to, you know, change the habits that got them to where they were. Um, And it's never too late to change. You may not you know, there may be damage done that can't be undone at any point, but it's never too late to stop additional damage from happening. And so, you know, no matter where you are in life, whether it's, you know, you're looking at your age or you're looking at your health at that point, it's never too late to start to make these changes and to start to see improvement. Good, good to know. For someone that's taking medication, like you said, by the time they're 40s, they already have a handful of medications in their cabinet. Um, If a person feels, will they be subjected uh, to taking medication their entire life, even as they're changing or when they change? Yeah, so again, this is one of the things that I think we get very wrong in healthcare. We, you know, start people on medications for certain medical conditions, and we don't ever expect that we can get them off those medications. And that simply shouldn't be the case. Uh, When we look at, you know, things like type two diabetes or high blood pressure, these are conditions that are reversible. And if we change the food that we're eating and we, you know, make the other lifestyle changes that are going to support good metabolic health, we can get people off of medications. Uh, And, you know, we have very, well, you know, we have published data at this point from, you know, large experiences around both type 2 diabetes and high blood pressure showing that we, with the proper, you know, lifestyle and dietary interventions, we can get people off of these medications. So if you are going to your physician and they tell you that you have, you know, high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, and they need to start you on a medicine, you should push back and you should say, what are you going to do to get me off of this yes. medicine? Yeah. Yep. Love it. Love it. Love it so much. Last question I have for you that I can foresee someone saying, um, how can I navigate in a world of deception by the food and medical industry, his industry? Yeah. And I think, you know, the first thing I tell people is that you, you got to want to do that. You got to say, I am going to, you know, no longer accept what the food the pharmaceutical, the healthcare industry is giving me because I'm looking around me and I'm seeing the results of that. And that is, like we said, almost everyone is unhealthy. So if you want different for yourself, you need to seek out the different information that's out there. Um, Again, in the book, I go through some tips about how to find a physician to work with that's going to help you 
uh, you know, along these along this path. Um, but ultimately, you know, the first the first step in that process is making the decision for yourself that you want different. I tell people you need to take back control of your health. Mm -hmm. Don't depend on the system to make you healthy because the system isn't going to make you healthy. I like and I like that what the way you're describing this book is really going to help a person advocate for themselves and help them to take accountability for their actions because you never can never our goal is never to tell a person what to do. Our goal is to help empower a person to figure out what he or she should do so they can recognize that they have the ability. And it, and it seems like that is the a common theme I'm seeing in your language and I'm sure that's connected to your book. Um, Dr. Phil, I I just love hearing all about it and I know that this is gonna be one of those books that are going to be out there that's going to be shared across the world. Um, and I want people to know when you're going to release your book, you know, ways that they can purchase, like how they can find information about it, all that good stuff. Sure thing. So the book is called Stay Off My Operating Table. It's going to be released on November 11th. It's going to be on Amazon, you know, barnesandnoble.com, all the major online uh, sellers. It's available in print. Uh, you know, electronic ebook, Kindle, and also as an audio book. Uh, by the time this podcast release, it should be up for pre-sale. Nice. Um, you can come find me, uh, ovadiaharthealth.com. So O-V-A-D-I-A, hearthealth.com is uh, the website that has all the information on my practice. I have a telemedicine practice. I work with people throughout the country. And I also have a group coaching program that I run. It's called the okay. Stronger Heart Society, and that is at strongerhearts.co, and uh, everyone is welcome to come join us there. Yes. Well, I will tell you, as a healthcare pro um, profession myself, it, it, it makes my heart sing to hear a doctor, you know, stand in in the in the line and in, in the way of trying to help people to learn how to live a healthier life, the holistic, proper way. Uh, I do appreciate you taking the time to talk about, you know, your position talk about your book, bring your book to this, to the world. Cause I feel like it can be a, a gift to the world. And I'm excited to see, kind of see what happens with it and, and what, how it starts to change minds and really start to empower people to take control of their health. I really appreciate you being on this afternoon. All right. Thank you so much Rashonda, and keep up all the great work that you're doing. I love the messaging of this podcast and I hope that I've inspired people to take control of their yes. health and go find the information that you need to remain healthy. Oh my God, I love it so much. Yes, um, guys, you heard it, Dr. Phil. He is coming with some ammunition for you, for you to take control of your health. And I mean, I can't begin to know what's between those pages, but I do know that this is an opportunity for you to take advantage of your health and start here. So make sure you go on his website, find um, how to purchase his book, get the pre-sale, learn about his um, his other programs that he's has. He got a lot of things going on. So I know it could only be nothing but the best for you. So seek him out and be a part of his mission to change the world. Um, again, this is Rashonda Thornton, the Dietitian Against Diets. As always, it's never about the diet. It's about the diet mentality. Let's find a way to equip ourselves with what it means to, be, to live a healthy life and to live a loving life and have food and nutrition be the center of it. Thank you guys. And I will see you next time.
Okay, as always, I hope you enjoyed that wonderful conversation with my podcast um, guest today. So as we're going out, I want to also introduce you to another one of my podcast partners. You have seen them connected to my work since the beginning of the podcast, as well as many of my nutrition-centered projects. As one of the top health-disc granola companies, Banner Road continues to grow. Experience a unique combination of organic ingredients derived across the Midwest region. They believe in high quality, high flavor, and they have actually set the bar on how granola can be more than just a topping. Go to their website and find their products near your closest grocery store or shop online and have their products shipped directly to you. Go to www.bannerroad.com or find them on Instagram at Banner Roads.